Good morning. Funny, some of the expressions we use when it comes to anything, but especially our Lord, lost in his love. If a person's going to be lost, that's a good place to be lost. Lost in his love, and of course, uh, meaning by that, surrounded, um, filled with, uh, overwhelmed by his love. What a wonderful Savior. We are going to be mostly in Romans 12, 2 this morning. Uh, we can hardly cover 1 and 2 without backing up to 33 as we did in our reading this morning. <clears throat> Corey, my son Corey, of course, studied to be an electrical engineer. And as he was going to college, the question came up in my mind, what is electricity? And I asked him. And uh, I braced myself for a complicated answer. After all, this um, fellow went beyond my understanding way back in junior high. And uh, now he's got years of college. So I figured there was some kind of uh, big explanation as to what is electricity. And the answer I got back was one I could understand. He just said, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know what it is. Uh, four years of college studying electrical engineering, and he nor anyone else really knows what electricity is. Ben Franklin uh, claims to have discovered it. We learned how to produce it, how to control it, how to light up our lives with it, how to heat with it, how to store it, how to send it anywhere in the world and beyond now, how to create amazing tools that run by it, see its awesome power in lightning, but we don't know what it is. Amazing. I also asked Corey a question, can it run out? <laughs> Everything else does. Can it run out? Can we eventually use it all up and have no access to it anymore? Same answer. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It doesn't seem to be something, but we do know that our world is running down, and um, maybe someday that will be true. In fact, we know it will be true because our Lord will light up our life permanently um, in the future. We can and do know a lot about electricity, as Corey does. I've even acquired a little, little knowledge about it in remodel and house building work. But it, because it's so little that I know, I still have to ask Corey questions concerning wiring a house. I learned the how-to, but the reason why seldom sticks with me. When I look at the schematics that Corey works with all the time, I am almost completely in the dark. At the same time, I believe when I throw a switch on the wall, lights will come on. We're grateful for them this morning. 
When I was in Texas this month, as you can imagine, I heard quite a bit of quite a few stories about the time that the electricity was shut off for many uh, as the wind generators uh, froze up and no longer could provide lighter heat. Because of a week of extremely cold, the wind uh, froze these generators and, generators and a lot of people suffered through it. A lot of damage done to homes. Uh, if you've ever been or lived in the South, you know that they don't protect their plumbing like we do up here and they run into some of that, and it uh, gets pretty expensive. <clears throat> Our passage this morning, Romans 12, a bit of verse 1 and 2, has a powerful se- spiritual sense to it, somewhat parallel to electricity. However, we do know where the power comes from, and that it will never run out. Sadly, far too many Christians have never utilized the power that God has given us to live full, abundant, free lives. There is a spiritual side of Christianity that contains this power that goes beyond what we can know with our minds, although interestingly enough, it entails mind renewal. Also interesting that it is unleashed in a passage that many feel is another kind of works system, in a sense, found in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As we look at our passage, we need to back up again to verse 1, which is your reasonable service. And this is a phrase in our flesh, in our lack of understanding, we would put as, okay, this is a passage to get us to work, to get us to work. But what we're looking at here is spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. This phrase in the King James and New King James falls short of what Paul intended. Um, But first of all, we look at service in Scripture. Service is worship. It is worship. The Greek word for service has a far deeper meaning than a work and probably should have been translated as the RSV does, worship. It is interesting to learn that worship and service are close to the same in Scripture, if not the same. Maybe more importantly here is the word reasonable. I'll read from a commentary that throws more light on this word The Greek scholars of our generation will unite in giving the word reasonable a figurative meaning that brings it into the domain of spiritual things and out of the sphere of reason. 
a life of yieldedness to the Lord God in order that he may live his life in us is therefore a spiritual worship. We tend to things, think, excuse me, think of, we tend to think of things that we do at church as worship. This, of course, is public worship, and it's true and can be good, but it isn't always, especially in the area of musicians. Musicians, excuse me, Musicians who haven't the light of Romans 12, 1 and 2 tend to believe they are at the center of worship. I had to come to the place in my life when I believed that I needed to confront a musician in the church that instead I would find a good solid block wall and beat my head against it until the feeling goes away and then go on with life. <laughs> And of course, I'm being silly in a sense, but too many have really believed that that is worship, is just what they were doing, and the flock, and God is the center of it, um, took a secondary position or or place. I am so blessed and so thankful that our worship leaders in this church are their hardest to praise God and to glorify him and to uh, they've done a beautiful work and again I'm so blessed with it with what they've done and what they're doing um, you can ask Mrs. Walgas what we have gone through in the area of um, music within the church but we won't go into any details God working in and through life, uh, uh, people that know him and humbly go before him that want to praise him and glorify him. And just as we've heard this morning, that's what God intends. The Jews had this sort of worship under the law. And uh, now, of course, it can go deeper and more beautiful as God is praised through our time of music, singing, etc. But Romans 12, 1 brings us into an individual worship which is above and beyond collective worship into a personal worship. A personal worship. The truth has penetrated our hearts and we desire to worship him in and through our lives. Again, the same commentator, the theme of our text is a giving, giving of the humble and the contrite heart to the Lord as a sacrifice. We have come to God. We have looked at the cross and have seen there the fountain of all his mercies. Now we are to go out and live in a way that is worthy of so much love. That love is to constrain us. Henceforth, the way we walk and talk will show how much we really love him. So we don't get that picture generally. We don't get that idea, do we? 
when, we, when our hearts is, are filled with the truth and he fills us with his love and it shows on the outside. And that's a service. Others are seeing the reality of God and, and, and the reality of Jesus Christ, the reality of the cross in and through our lives. We don't look at the world. We don't walk in the world. Uh, we don't treat other people like, like the world does. And people see the difference. I care about you. What's your need? Do you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you need to know the love of God? Do you need to know how much he loves you and wants you to spend eternity with him? This is a sad thing that we see in our country is that so much of that has disappeared. And it's me, myself, and I. So on to verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. In, in the context of we see, we're to turn away from our past way of thinking. To turn away from it. To turn away from all the wrong that we once thought. I think of my own life of, of uh, I didn't know if there was a God, didn't believe there was a God, didn't care if there was a God, and if there was a God, he wasn't a very good God. They all wrong. I had to turn away from that. He called me to turn away from that past way of thinking. Thinking. Paul mentions this in 1 Thessalonians 1.8. Your faith toward God has gone out. How you turn to God to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven. Here Paul covers their lives and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has gone out. People saw it. People saw the reality that Thessalonians don't live like other people, don't act like other people. They turn to serve the true and living God, to serve, to worship, to um, be uh, available for his use, and then looking forward to that day of the rapture when our Lord comes back for his church and takes his family home, takes us home to be with him forever. The world is this present evil age that we live in, in Ephesians 1, 4, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. This evil age where men have said, there is no God. I am my own God. I'm going to control my life my way, do it my way. And again, how much and... Uh, I was involved with that for 30-some years of my life and how much more we see it in the world around us. God is a God who winks at sin. Don't preach against sin. Don't preach against what's wrong. Don't preach of what, and this is why God hates it, what it harms, those things that harm you and harm others. Don't preach about that. Don't preach about sex outside of marriage is sin. All the kids are involved in it, so we don't want to make them feel bad. God is a weak and powerless God. There is a God. He's just up there 
watching over us and sick to his stomach probably, (laughs) but has no power. God is to be called upon only in emergencies. A genie God that give me my idol so many carry uh, that they think represent God or perhaps does, but let me rub that when I need him, when I need help, when there's something coming in my life that makes me turn to him. God is an austere, hateful, revengeful, revengeful God. Unfortunately, this kind of God is preached from many pulpits, and it's, uh, it's horrible. I'll be God over others. And this we see everywhere from small to the big, from the world to the church. Uh, these things that are preached at, preached about, and um, lived out. Unfortunately, due to a lack of knowledge of Jesus, it is almost a constant within the church, not knowing of the grace of our God and his love for us. And then there's a distant God. A distant God. Often there are well-meaning Christians who realize there's something missing. I think this is true in my case. There's something missing. I'm hearing the truth every Sunday of the dispensational structure of the word of God, um, but something is missing. How come all these beautiful verses, when we come to, we go to church and we get a dispensational discourse, but that's not where I'm living today. Where's the answers? Looks like it's in the word, but where are the answers that I need for this thing? Ephesians 4.18 pretty much describes this present evil age, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Two becauses, ignorance, what they don't know, what I didn't know, and blindness, that of I choose to be blind. I choose to live this life in darkness rather than have knowledge of God. So if this evil age is ignorance of God, then we are transformed by the knowledge of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 8, 29 makes clear of God's plan for his children, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn of many brethren. All of God's children will be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, all of them. But what does this mean? In this life, does it mean to try harder to be good? That's what we usually get involved in. Let's try harder to be like Christ. Let's work harder at it. I mean, you know, this is our reasonable service. Let's try. That's not what the scripture teaches. It says renew your mind. It's an outward show of piety. piety. Um, to look like a, what it comes out is, of course, a religious person. Uh, to look like something we're not. And um, 
I'll never forget, and you've probably heard me say it before, I had a friend, her mother died, Sheila went with her to the funeral, and she looked awful, and my wife couldn't but help ask her what was wrong, and she just kind of shushed her, I'm manifesting Christ. <laughs> well, according to my wife, <laughs> that was not what she was doing, but that's what she thought she was doing. And uh, yeah, transformation comes from the knowledge of the truth. And as we know, the truth is Jesus Christ and the word, which he also equates to be knowledge of God, my father, my father. Scripture is full of passages admonishing us to have knowledge of God. Psalm twenty-two, seventeen: Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. My knowledge. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Dan, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who you thought I used to think I was. I'm not that. I'm not that God. I'm not him. You need to renew your mind. What does the Bible say about me? What does the Bible say about our relationship when you're in Jesus Christ? What does the Bible say about my love for you, my acceptance of you? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Let the truth turn on the lights for you so that you can see the reality of who I am and know me. The hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the state, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And there's that power again that comes from what? Believing God and what he says in his word. Also for the Colossians in one nine. for this reason we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. See, again, we can't leave this at the written word just in our mind. It always goes deeper than that. This is relational. And God's talking about his power and what he does and will do through a saint that learns to live by faith in him. Romans 11.33 that we just looked at. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment as his way is past finding out. My life wasn't changed through more knowledge of words on a page of the word of God. The Pharisees had that. Our Lord never admonished them on their lack of biblical knowledge. He used his strongest language, language and wrath, however, over their lack of believing scripture and their knowledge of God. 
Paul tells us in Romans 10, 2, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, knowledge of God. My life was transformed by the renewing my mind, my mind in the knowledge of the God who is and his relationship to me and my relationship to him. It's interesting, the Greek word renewed is used, as far as I know, in one other place in Scripture, Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving what? Various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. There's that word, renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is the moment of salvation. And there's something that happens. It's the Spirit indwells us, and there's power, His power poured out on us abundantly at that time. We have it. It's here, the moment of salvation. This is where the electrification, if you will, of the believer takes place. This is an obvious spiritual element taught in Scripture that goes beyond the mind and must be taken by faith. I learn it. I read it. I see it in Scripture. It's a word for me today. I need to believe that. See, so much of Scripture and the grace and in this dispensation of grace, we can't get our minds around it because it goes deeper than what we can figure out, how to work electricity, if you will, how to store it and move it and use it and all these other things. It goes much deeper. Paul tells us in different ways that although we have to renew our minds, there is a spiritual element in the life of the believer that goes beyond the written page. In just a few verses, Paul prayed in Ephesians 3.19 for the Ephesians to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And again, that wording there, that passes knowledge. Study the word all you want, Dan, but you're not going to figure this out because it passes beyond knowledge. You know it from the word. Do you believe it that I can work in and through you? And again in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Often I've used this in counseling and ministry that surpasses all understanding. You can study this book uh, for a hundred years. And you're not going to be able to understand this. It surpasses. It goes beyond it. Second Corinthians 4, 6, For it is a God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, 
who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have the renewing power of the Holy Spirit living within us. When we come to Romans 12, 1 and 2, with a heart filled with the mercies of God, Paul's just written about in the first 11 chapters of Romans that throws the switch that unleashes his power to live the abundant life. Renewing our mind means coming to the place in our lives where we know God well enough to trust him in all areas of our lives, to do what he promises he will do. When we do, we basically throw the switch when we present our bodies a living sacrifice. Faith, sacrifice, excuse me. Faith unleashes the spirit of God, the power of God to change our lives. Our primary need in life is to renew our mind to who Jesus is. We notice that Jesus did not say this is the truth and if you don't believe it, you will be damned. He simply shows us the truth. I am the truth. I am the truth. And he leaves us alone. It's up to us to decide whether we want to believe it or not. We name his name, but is he the truth to us in our bodily life, in our common sense life, in our intellectual and emotional life? And this is important, if not, if I hope this all is, it's important for us to, to have that rest. It takes a long while for us to begin to see that Jesus Christ is the truth. It does. It does. We see him as a truth for salvation and we trust him as savior. All right, that doesn't necessarily take a long time. But in our life and our walk with him, it takes time. It takes time for us to learn that we can trust him in every area of our lives and that Jesus Christ indeed is a truth. He doesn't insist that we take his way. He simply states that he is a way. It seems like we would take his way at the beginning, but we don't. We are determined on our own way. Uh, that's a reality in my life. Uh, Lord, I really appreciate this salvation stuff. I really appreciate uh, being saved. I really appreciate what you've done for me. But I think we'll do things my way. And you know what? He said, go for it. Guess what? It doesn't work very good. <laughs> I did a lot in the church. A lot for the church, but not always his way. And uh, after years, my heart had not changed. Jesus says, I am the truth. You, re you can renew your mind with that and live a life of victory. Or you can continue with your other gods and crucify me in your life. It's interesting, but God usually uses others to help us to renew our minds. This is in his plan, and um, he has provided a work for each one of us and give us the opportunity, the joy, and the blessing to pass on to others what he has given us, the knowledge he has given us, and this is the way we need to look at it. 
he gives us, and we're coming to that in Romans 12, uh, to prepare us for the specific work he, he has provided for us. And, uh, but he generally uses other people to what? Say that you can believe this. Again, a, a wonderful dispensational pastor uh, taught me and showed me through his life, you can believe the word rightly divided. You can believe that we're living in this dispensation of the grace of God. Uh, we know how many false teachers and people had been steeped in error and how hard it is for them to get out of that. But thankfully I was saved in a church that uh, said no, um, this is a truth, what you read in scripture, what you see in Paul's writings. And it goes on. Believers who have renewed their minds believe the truth of who Jesus is and encourage others to believe what scripture says. Those who understand the word rightly divided, again, helped me to see scripture and assured me I could believe what it said. But often they didn't believe other truths that were also in scripture concerning God as our father and the personal relationship that I have with him today. When we renew our minds in his purity, when we believe what he says about us, his children, our perfect relationship with him, we begin to trust him, live by faith, and he becomes truth to us in body, in common sense, and our intellectual and emotional life. It is those who have renewed their minds, proven God's will, that will assure others that they can believe what is written. And this is where we go next, that you may prove to yourself the good will of God. Only God is good. All that is not of him in the Christian realm is evil. There are no gray areas. God, through his spirit, when we may think we're in a gray area, will show us, no, there's a right way, my way, or there's a wrong way. There's either good here that reflects me or people. There are no gray areas in the spiritually-minded believer. God can only do good. It takes a while for us to renew our minds to that truth. No matter what comes into our lives, God will use it for good if we love him and are called according to his purpose. We don't know why the curtains broke down for the second time on vacation the first day out, but they did. But we can be sure that God intends good to come out of it. One thing that's been mentioned already this morning, the Kearns learned real quick how many were willing to come to their rescue if they needed it. People we know often hear the gospel through the death of their loved ones. A bad time for us, a sad time when someone we love passes on. But how often God has used that to get someone else's attention, you need to know me. God never promised that he will protect us from the evils of this world. He does say that he will work it out for good. Sometimes he will show us and other times we may not know until we get home 
what he was able to accomplish through our trials and tribulations. That you may prove the acceptable, what the acceptable will of God is. Most men will come back from war to live with guilt because they survived and many of their comrades didn't. Grandpa Walton made a comment about this is interesting. Every once in a while you get something you can take home from that uh, these reruns. <laughs> the easy way out is to blame yourself. There are some things that come into our life that we just don't understand. And so it is with our God. Why does he let his children go through some of the things he does? We don't understand. But he's at work and he's going to work it out for good. But a renewed mind accepts him as the acceptable will of God, that God has a purpose behind them. God, renewed mind recognizes God willed him to live for a purpose. These guys coming home from war. Okay, you can spend your life in guild and and many, and you know, I've thought of a lot about it lately. I've been reading so many books on World War II. I knew, uh, well, all my uncles, my, our dads, uh, many people we knew had been in World War II, and most, if not all, became drunkards. And as I read about what they went through and what they experienced, uh, very understandable where they couldn't get this out of their mind and uh, what they saw. And many, you know, said if there is a God, then I don't want to know him. You know, why could he let this happen? Well, that's been through the beginning of uh, men who choose to be their own gods and the evil and harm they call. But God brought you through it. What does that mean? Maybe it means that he wants to use you uh, for his glory and... Uh, turn this around in your life. I'm so thankful. One of the precious things in my life is the way that my father released me of my Vietnam service. Uh, the anger and hatred and bitterness that was in my heart. And one day he completely released it and it was gone. perfect will of God, a renewed, mind, a renewed mind knows that God is perfect and his ways are perfect and he, that he works through even the evil of this world, his perfect will for his purposes, which is always for good. Second Corinthians 2.14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Notice again, here's no gray, gray area. He said always, always. Always. Did they mostly, sometimes, always. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. That's what comes through in a person that has presented his body, the fragrance of his knowledge as we trust him through whatever difficulty we're going through. And in closing, I'll repeat Second Corinthians 4, 6, for it is a God who commanded to light to shine out of darkness, 
who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We know our Father, we no longer question why adversity comes into our lives. We find our questions are gone. When I was in an accident in the hospital for a week, broken neck, a body brace for three months, and out of work for five months, I didn't ask why. My God had brought me to the place I didn't need to. I had been to Romans 12, 1 and 2 with all my heart and had what the most blessed time of my life up to that point in my life. I know some people must have thought I was nuts, but uh, that's their problem. (laughs) God brought many opportunities to talk about him and help people to know a bigger God. I believe at least two people were saved Uh, because of my broken neck and that time, and hopefully there were even more. When I had a brain bleed, two operations, seizures, and was completely paralyzed on my left side, I didn't ask God why. I had long before renewed my mind and proved what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Father, you have a good and acceptable and perfect plan through this because I love you and have been called according to your purpose. And I didn't beg God to heal me. That was his decision. I set about doing what the rehab people told me to do and sought to make the best of my present circumstances in case I stayed paralyzed. And people notice a difference. No one in here as your attitude. The one negative from it, <laughs> people told me, well, you're the pastor, you're supposed to be like that. <laughs> uh, no, that is the way every Christian should be. Mind renewed and electrified with enlightenment towards the God who is. We must never think or encourage others to think that presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice is about living in poverty and slavery to tyrannical God. It is just the opposite. All of a sudden, we find ourselves to have thrown the switch, the lights turn on, and we are finally, and we finally are living in spiritual light. We finally have the joy-filled, abundant life that we always long for. And day by day, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, how can we go here and not have our hearts filled with the love that you are? Father, we're... Our tendency as humans is always to see work and the negative in everything, including your word, uh, your unrealistic expectations of us, which is a lie. Father, all you have ever wanted is the best for the people you created, and especially, Father, for those who trust Christ as Savior, and become your children. And so it is with this passage. 
Father, for us to understand it and to know that faith in you, knowing you, knowing our relationship with you, knowing the perfection of our relationship causes us to want to surrender to you and allow you to have your way with us. And your way with us is to give us an abundant, triumphant life. And that life obviously spills out into the work that you have prepared for us that also becomes a joy in our lives. Father, how great you are. How we thank you, how we praise you, Father. And we pray in the wonderful, matchless name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.